0: Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you no, want to? Sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll you. let you. I'll let you. Next one. I'm excited, and I feel relaxed,
1: and I'm ready to party! Don't say so sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues!
0: I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, i'm better i say when it comes to stardom and lauren there are no accidents hi karen peterson hello and welcome to citizen dame the podcast where one of us is a little out of sorts today i won't say which one <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta guess you yeah gotta guess <laughs> i'm sure it won't take long or be difficult uh i'm karen peterson joined as always by lauren Humphreys brooks hello how are you lauren
1: i'm doing all right i'm doing all right i'm sad i'm sad and angry sad angry and pissed off and sad um but i'm also happy so there's that
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it's been an emotional week it's been an emotional week should we talk about it we can briefly i'm still mad um (laughs) uh yes so for anybody who doesn't know um max has chosen not to continue our flag means death uh i think it was reese darby's wife who said no it's not canceled it's just not renewed and i was like
1: that doesn't make me feel better (laughs) yes her 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 statement was one that her husband stole her sweater (laughs) and two that she prefers to think of it as not being picked up Mm -hmm. for season three not being canceled which i i think actually i kind of like that because it it's sort of i don't know in some ways it's like well so maybe it could be picked up elsewhere like mm-hmm. maybe i don't know i mean there's a major fan campaign going on right now like to the point that they've raised i think they're up to like $15,000 oh wow or uh which is then being matched for like charities like lgbtq charities and palestine charities wow um but like they've raised i think it's up to like 15 or twenty thousand dollars to like basically make this massive push for uh for either to get renewed or for someone you know for another streamer to pick it up so there's a lot of fan support for it uh there's also there's also a lot of anger because it was quite obvious that this came down to like the last minute like everybody in the cast everybody in the crew was talking like it was a done deal. And then something happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it did feel very sudden. Um, and it felt very, honestly, I don't know how it felt to you. Well, I mean, I know emotionally, but like, to me, it just, it seemed very arbitrary. It didn't seem like there was any sort of a good business reason behind it. There isn't, uh, there isn't yeah.
1: because the metrics were fantastic on it. All of the information that has been released about like it's viewing bla- the viewers that it got. It is, it, it was, it's one of Max's biggest hits.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> like, it's very hard not thing. to see this as, um, you know, queer phobic hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. I,
1: I, I, think it came down to one particular CEO, uh, who decided that he didn't like it for whatever reason? I I think I think it part people have pointed out the fact that Max is, that, that WB generally is leaning into like these franchises and the fact and the fact is that I mean you know one of the things that may have sunk it honestly is the fact that they said we only want one more season. Yeah. Um, we don't like there's not more t- to this particular story and um and that might honestly have have done something, but I also think that yeah it's it's very difficult to read this as not being homophobic mm-hmm. um and and obviously i yeah it's come it's come down to the ceo and he decided to pull the plug on it at the last minute and really upset a lot of people i mean i think that now like neil gaiman is even talking about it on twitter and stuff like that so i don't know i I have a glimmer of hope still but we'll see regardless we got two really fantastic seasons and i'm glad i'm glad that at least as we've talked about before i'm glad that the second season ended where it did because if it had ended at the first season i could never have watched any of any of it again ever
0: yeah yeah for sure and because of how how it leaves off at the end of the second season, you at least do feel like there is a conclusion to Steve to Steve and Ed's story. Um, even though I would love to see more, you know, of them, I would love I I especially would love to have seen how things played out with the rest of the crew who's off, you know, riding off to to do some battle. And I think that I think that the third season would have just been as magical as the first two um and yeah maybe there is a chance that we see it again at some point but i just i don't
1: know i don't have the glimmer of hope that you do i wish i did <laughs> but i, just I have been embedded in the fandom <laughs> recently karen so like i'm watching people going like no we're gonna fuck shit up so uh i don't i mean i i think that it's you know it's unlikely but at the same time i don't see any reason to just assume until the creators actually say, like, okay, we're that's pretty much it. We're done." And they haven't really said that yet. So yeah, we'll see, yeah, which is we'll good. see. I think it's it's nice to have it's nice to have hope, but also to be aware of the fact that, you know, we do have two fantastic seasons of television. Um, they are available. They are available in in different different places as well, which I encourage people to look for.
0: <laughs> yeah. The
1: other thing that that
0: I have really enjoyed is seeing the outpouring of support and love for the show that has just been been poured onto everybody involved in it and mm-hmm. i hope that at the very least all of them can walk away from this knowing that they did something really special that meant so much yeah. to a lot of people who really needed it
1: yeah and i i hope that it gives everyone involved more opportunities and more like space to to do the things that they actually want to do like i hope i hope that the cast all gets tons of work as a result of this that the creators get tons of work that like you know streaming is so shitty right now and i i do think the part of what's happening is is we're we're watching the death of the new studio system in like real time that's essentially what's going on yeah um and and this is a part of that and uh it'll be i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah
0: which i mean really we need to get past these you know so much power so much creative power being in the hands of like just a very small number of people who are deeply entrenched in the old way of doing things you yeah. know we need to we need to decentralize that and make art about the artists and give people room to tell their stories
1: well and i i do i've said it before i do actually think in at a, at a broader sense i think that we're kind of on the cusp of that um and a lot like i've i've said it for a couple of years actually <laughs> a lot of what is going on reads very much as the the fall of the studio system mm-hmm. um and and that was her was not like it was crazy if you read back on some of the history um but one of the things that came out of that was this rise of american independent cinema it was this rise of artistic kind of power and outpouring and that and hollywood still existed it's not saying that hollywood didn't like suddenly just stopped being central um but things changed very quickly and very intensely and there was a lot of great art that that wound up being produced and i do think that that's what we're moving towards um and that that's that's part of what's breaking The, the streamers aren't profitable um they're and they're instead of actually taking risks and trying to be profitable they're leaning into things that i'm it's just they're it's not going to work i don't think it's going to work yeah i think you are absolutely right
0: <laughs> so well, we'll <laughs> yeah we will see um so we do have some happier things
1: to talk about Speaking of independence. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. So uh, this year, the Sundance Film Festival is celebrating its 40th anniversary. So it did launch in like, I don't know, what was 40 years ago, 1984. Um, Originally, the festival was in the summer, which is when it should be because it was a much better time to be in Park City, Utah. Uh, unless you like skiing and apparently that's what happened is a lot of celebrities were like hey we're going to the mountains i like to ski let's move it to january so then they did and it freaking sucks if you're not a skier (laughs) so it's very (laughs) cold there um i've been watching the weather because i do not drive in the snow and so i'm like okay what day can i leave for sundance uh it looks like thursday will be clear all right i'll go it's uh yeah and then i Yeah, it's hard. Um, This California girl does not do well driving in weather. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, so (laughs) Sundance, 40 years, 40 years of Sundance. And there's just so much. They're like kind of rolling out the red carpet on this one this year. Um, They're doing all kinds of things to celebrate 40 years of the of the festival. Um, And one of the things that we thought would be fun was to talk about a couple of films that premiered at Sundance Film Festival over the the years and all three of the films that we're talking about today um are directed by women and um and they're all very good in different ways so they're very different movies really all of them and so uh yeah. yeah the first is Desert Hearts which um was released in 1985 it's directed by donna deitch and um it's based on a novel i'm trying to think of the name of the novel
1: Sorry. uh the desert, desert of the heart by jane rule thank you yes
0: <clears throat> and um yeah it uh it stars helen shaver patricia charbonneau and audra lindley who you may remember as mrs roper from three's company <laughs> And, uh, where i recognized her from i was just like <laughs> i
1: know that that woman she's in stuff
0: <laughs> yes she was mrs roper <laughs> uh, she's obviously been in a lot of things other things yeah. too but uh, anyway yeah so desert hearts is a film it's it it's set in the late 50s and um basically it starts with this this woman played by helen shaver um vivian she has just arrived on a train from new york She's come to Reno for a quick divorce. Which the setup of this, I was like, oh wait, this is exactly what Misfits is about too, with um, um, yeah. Marilyn Monroe. So, um, so I, because I had seen Misfits, I understood immediately what was going on in this. But basically, um, uh, it, it back in this time, you could establish residency in Reno for six weeks and then get a quick divorce, mm-hmm. and so a lot of of people would choose to do this, particularly women. And so that's what's happening. Vivian, she's this college professor from Columbia University, and she and her husband just need to get divorced. And so she comes to Reno for her six weeks and, uh, you know, meets meets people and, and um, kind of unlocks some things about herself that she hasn't really been indulging in. Um, so, yeah, uh, Lauren, what are your basic (laughs) general thoughts about like what did you think about desert hearts
1: that's i was just gonna say that's one way of putting what happens she unlocks things about herself that she didn't realize so let's uh, they're lesbians karen they are (laughs) they're lesbians (laughs) it's a lesbian movie karen it's a
0: super gay lesbian movie and it's super gay (laughs)
1: super fucking gay (laughs) um yeah, yeah, you know, this this was actually one that has been on my list as of films to watch for a while because it kept on popping up on criteria. And I was like, this looks really interesting. This is kind of a seminal film in a lot of ways. Like uh <clears throat> I think it's it's one of the first like mainstream films um that actually depicted a lesbian sex scene. Mm-hmm. Uh and and you know, when you think about the fact that this one was released in 1985, that says something. Oh yeah. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about it and that you know it's it's really sad when you talk about queer films because the question mark with queer films is always are they going to suffer and die in the end like is this just going to be a tragedy and so many queer films are exactly that it's about suffering it's about tragedy it's about not being able to love who you love and this is a film that is set in the 1950s um so a time when being gay was very much not okay (laughs) Uh, and not treat as okay, but I really like the fact that this this comes closer, I think, in a lot of ways to something like Carol, than it does to, to anything else, because it is about, uh, uh, particularly Vivian kind of figuring out her sexuality and why she has not been able to be happy in a marriage, and um, and and it does it in a really kind of slow and sort of methodical way a lot of the the first act of the film really isn't about her and Kay. it's about her kind of being a part of this this strange house culture where she's living in this place for six weeks in order to get a divorce um and kind of the relationships that she begins to develop and how standoffish she is but also how much she wants to connect with people um, and I really liked that about the film that it doesn't go straight for like, and you know, now we're going to have the, the lesbian love story. It It is, it's much slower than that in a lot of ways. Uh, and I like the fact that it then took the time to actually develop the characters and to really show who particularly these two women were. And I mean, you've got someone like, like Vivian, who's in her, she's supposed to be in her mid thirties. She's very repressed, uh. And and you've got Kay, who's like considerably younger and not repressed at all. And in fact, horrifies some people because she's so open about the fact that she's lesbian. Um, And you've got this like wonderful balance, I think, that develops between the two of them. And it's a very believable relationship, in, in my opinion
0: yeah i i think that just what you were saying about it it takes its time i mean this movie's only an hour and a half and it accomplishes a lot in that hour and a half but it never feels like it rushes through anything and i think that's such a a, such a mark of great filmmaking from donna that she really understood how to pace this in a way where relationships develop naturally um and you really get the sense of the six weeks passing because this does take six weeks, um, but it also never feels like like anything is is hurried through or or any development of characters is is shortchanged. Um, I think it's it's really really well done, and I think mm-hmm. especially watching the way things do start to blossom between Vivian and Kay, where uh, Vivian. I mean, yeah, she's standoffish. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She doesn't really want to participate. She doesn't really want to have anything to do with with people. But, um, but you also know, like she does. She's just kind of scared to to involve herself in what's happening there. She's she's here for a purpose. She wants to. She's very much this buttoned up, straight laced, like college professor, university professor who very much just wants to like accomplish her task and go back to her life. And that's not when it ends up happening. And um, and I, I think watching the relationship build with Kay as as the two of them start to get to know each other, as the two of them eventually sleep together, and then, and then what that does for them uh, afterwards, and kind of the aftermath of it, um, and where this movie leaves off, I think it's 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 developed in such a way that it just it feels, like such a hopeful story when just yeah. to your point too is like for this time period it feels like so many of the films that even touched on homosexuality it necessarily like they have to suffer and there has to be tragedy and this this doesn't have tragedy it, it's just this beautiful story about people finding each yeah. other and and that's what makes it so special and what makes it stand out. And I think what has given it such a long life, too. I mean, this is almost 40 yeah. years later. We're talking about this movie because of the fact that it, it it's beautiful and it's hopeful.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it, even its depiction of homophobia, um, you know, and again, for, it's a film made in 1985. but set in 1959, and it, it does show the the homophobic aspects of the culture, mm-hmm. obviously, but it doesn't do it in a way that is like heavy handed um so it's it's more i've been i've actually been talking about homophobia quite a bit recently but it's it's not like we hate gay people kind of thing it's more like a confusion almost of like what do you mean right and and so and particularly the um uh who's it francis yeah uh the the audra lindley character who who like loves Kay. But is also very like confused by the fact that Kay is openly gay, Mm -hmm. um, and doesn't understand that part. And they come to a sort of understanding by the end of the film, where and and fairly early on, actually, I think Kay says something like, "You know, I don't expect you to approve of me. I just expect you to accept me, or something like that." But it's like it's this distinction between you don't have to like the fact that I'm gay. You just have to tolerate it. Right. Um, And and it's an interesting, you know, and I'm not saying that that's the ideal position to take, but it's an interesting thing about like having someone, a mother figure basically in in your life where, you know, it's saying like, you don't have to support my homosexuality, um, but you do have to accept the fact that it's a part of me, like that it's not something that is going to change. uh if if you you love me
0: you have to love this part of me too
1: yeah or at least
0: accept this part of me and
1: and it manages it it manages it in a way that i think is very realistic and that doesn't again it doesn't come off as heavy-handed it's not like you know we're gonna have all these women being in constant danger of being discovered or anything like that um which again a, a lot of films that's part of what it's about is about that concealment and they're not concealing it they're kind of discovering it and navigating it in a world in which you know it can be dangerous uh particularly in the 1950s um it can be dangerous now i mean you know obviously but um but it doesn't lean into those aspects of danger those aspects of like violence or concealment or anything like that it is much more about discovery yeah and uh, do we want to talk about the ending I think it's we've done that before on this podcast. Like, so again, if you don't want to know the ending of Desert Hearts, <laughs> skip ahead a few minutes uh because we're gonna talk about it. Or so, yes, just pause it
0: here, go watch it. It's an hour and a half long and it's on criterion and then come
1: <laughs> back and finish.
0: <laughs> um yeah, no, I I think that's one of the things that I really loved about the way that this ends. So um Vivian gets her divorce and Kay wants her to stay and she's just like no I need to go back to my life basically and then she's like why don't you come with me and Kay's just you know I wouldn't fit in there basically they're from two very different worlds and they're Mm -hmm. kind of having that conversation acknowledging this but both want like they want to stay together and um, ultimately Vivian she's there she's on the train the train is moving and they're still talking at the door and she's like, just ride with me to the next stop. And uh, and I love that eventually, you know, Kay does get on the train to go just to the next stop, which is about 40 minutes. And and just this this line that Vivian says, I want to spend 40 more minutes with you. And I love that it doesn't, we don't need to have an ending. We don't need to know ultimately what happens with them and where their story goes from here. We just, we have that hope that, things things will continue and that they'll they'll figure something out and and it's yeah it's just so lovely because so many hetero stories get to end that way and it's it's incredibly rare to see you know homosexual stories end this way yeah. and and it just it really is this beautiful um not conclusion i think to to their romance
1: yeah. It, and it, it makes sense to everything because, because if basically, I mean, if the, if this was a heterosexual love story, the conflict would be like, oh, we're from two different worlds, right? Mm-hmm. The, the conflict here is not just we're from two different worlds, but I think a K at one point even mentions that, you know, she would have to, she would have to be concealed at mm-hmm. some level. Like she would have to be like, oh, this is my friend. You know, this right. is my, this, this is, this is someone else. They, they would have to kind of, Hide it because it yeah, could they can't damage, live out in the open yeah. yeah it could damage Vivian's career in fact it would damage Vivian's career she's she's already a female academic in the 1950s yeah um you know so it would there would be this constant danger of being discovered there'd be this constant like you know pain of that and then at the same time Vivian can't stay in Reno um because there's nothing there's nothing professional for her there she does have a life she does have work she does have other things that she that she loves and so it's it adds this extra layer to everything. And then for them to just be like, well, let's just stay together for just a little bit longer, you know, that extra 40 minutes and, and you don't know that extra 40 minutes could turn into another 40 minutes and another, and then suddenly they're in New York, you know, it's, or she's coming back to Reno. There's all kinds of ways that it could play out, but yeah, you're you're right. I think it, it gives this hopeful ending of being like, they, might not be okay forever, but they are going to be okay for another 40 minutes. And that's very important.
0: Yeah. And I think the other piece of it too, is just the fact that, um, and the reason I, I worded it the funky way that I did at the beginning is because of the fact that now Vivian has started to accept this, you know, this about herself. She's yeah. had this relationship. And so even if the two of them do not stay together, do not travel all the way to New York together, do not try to figure out how to have a life together, you get the sense that Vivian, I mean, Kay's, Kay is unapologetically who she is but you get the sense that vivian now will um feel a little bit more willing to open herself up to whatever comes next to whoever comes next and that that the um the things that she has been so inhibited by like that she's going to like some of those barriers now are going to come down so and that's that's also part of why i just feel like this is such a hopeful ending
1: yeah absolutely i mean at the beginning of the film yeah, the, there's even the conversation that she has with the divorce lawyer uh mm-hmm. she has this whole conversation and it, it very much i don't i don't know if she ever explicitly says it but it very much plays as she thinks there's something wrong with her she could not make this marriage work right mm-hmm. they were compatible on paper right but whatever was going and he was per- you know according to her he's he would have been perfectly happy to stay married to her regardless of their actual feelings for each other um but but she's like, she could not do it basically. Mm-hmm. And of course the viewer is sitting there going like, yeah, you're gay. Like that's the problem. <laughs> right. <I> mean, that's, <laughs> that's the issue. But of course at that, at that period, just like she, she barely, like, she does not know that. Yeah. Um, And, and so it is that again, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it is her coming out story. It's that realization that like, it's not that there's anything wrong with me. It's that I didn't understand who I was um and i didn't have the words to say who i was and that's a really it's a good thing to see that and she is confident at the end like she's saying to Kay, just get on the train with me for another 40 minutes Mm -hmm. she's much like you say she's much more open and she's much more like you know that this is that she's becoming more of the person that she actually is versus um you know continuing to have to live in this sort of button down there's something wrong with me sensation
0: yeah it's a If it you is. haven't seen it, take this opportunity and go and watch it because it's really, really
1: well done. Uh, any other thoughts about Desert Hearts? That's no, very good. It's very unique. I, I liked it a lot. And give it time to mom and dad. <laughs> uh, remember when I said next film we're going to talk about that I was right about. I, I'm <laughs> right about this one, too. <laughs>
0: well let's talk about the next film uh the next one on our list is Mississippi Masala from 1991 directed by Mira Nair and written by Suni Tara sorry I probably butchered that uh this movie stars Denzel Washington and Sarita Chaudhry as two of the hottest people on the planet um
1: (laughs) I am not kidding when Denzel Washington came on the screen for the first time I was like Oh my god! Like, <laughs> like I mean, he's he's an attract. He's always been an attractive man, like one hundred percent. But but I was just like, oh, she's done for. Like you she's were not even- prepared. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ready. No one's ready for this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically, this this film starts with um this family living in Uganda. They live in um Kampala, Uganda. It's 1972, and Idi Amin has he is. Uh, running the country and he expels all the asian people from uganda and um and so this family is forced to leave their home and they end up in mississippi um and it's years later and um so there and so now the daughter has grown up and that is sarita chowdhury she's mina and uh, she meets Demetrius, who is Denzel Washington, and um, the two start this romance. And this causes some issues in their community because um, Jay, her father, uh, he, he has a lot of racism. Because, and, and a lot of it stems from the fact that he was kicked out of what he considered his home, um, his homeland in Uganda, and there's just a lot of of racial um, strife, I guess, and and um, fighting happening in in the mm-hmm. community that they're living in in Mississippi. And so the two of them uh, being in a relationship causes a lot of um, a lot of issues for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, this is your first time seeing Mississippi Masala. What did you think? Yes,
1: I I I really loved it. I. I mean, I've I've seen um, some Mira, Mira Nair films before. This was when I hadn't, uh, uh, and but I I really love the depiction of the various cultures and the I, I again, you know, it's it's almost going back to to Desert Hearts. The fact that there's so many easy ways that this story could be told. It could be so explicit in terms of the race issues and you know issues of racism and all those things, but it's not. It's very much this interaction between communities and human beings and cultures that are similar but different but have issues with each other um you know and and one of the one of the other things that i liked and i don't want to bring it back to this too quickly but one thing i liked is that there are barely any white people on screen Mm -hmm. like there are a couple like i think there's one named character who's white um but she's barely in the film like there so whiteness is 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 exists but it's hardly an issue it's not about that. And I was very pleased to watch a movie that was about race and that was about interactions between communities and racism and ethnocentrism and xenophobia and all kinds of things, but that hadn't fuck all to do with like actual white people. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, the the way in which the cultures are depicted, the way in which the characters and their hangups and their issues are depicted, I had no idea about what happened in uganda i did not know about this this minority indian population in uganda um one of the one of the, there's a fantastic conversation about um i'm trying to remember who actually says it but it's two characters talking to each other and they're basically trying to explain like so why are there Indi, why were there indians in uganda well they were brought there by the british to build the railroads yeah and and there's this comparison just like oh so kind of like slavery and it's like yeah kind of Mm -hmm. um and and so you get this like so you've got those kind of overarching aspects of colonialism and racism and slavery that have affected these communities but that now are like stemming off into completely other things um it's it's just a really well done very deep very entertaining film like i like all of the secondary characters um, and then at the center of it is this this romance that develops between the two of them who are not embedded in their cultural worlds in the same way that the older people are, um, but who also have have their own hangups. But that ba- just basically discover that they are in love with each other and that that's something that they want uh, and and then have to struggle with the reactions of the people around them, and particularly after they they uh, have sex. Yeah um
0: i was reading something recently where someone was trying to say that this movie was sort of a romeo and juliet story and it's like no that's not no that's not it (laughs) like sure you can see some similar some tie-ins to that story on a very basic level but i think that this is so much deeper and so much more um uh yeah, it's just it's such a deeper story because, like you say, I mean, with with um, these two cultures, these two groups of people, I'm I'm not in any way justifying or excusing any form of racism, but I do think that you can you can understand their points of view and you can understand how that kind of conflict can arise in yeah. in the in this in this community because of the histories that each each group has experienced and and so it's like i think that's part of why this movie is so meaningful it's like you want everybody to just figure it out and get along because they're all such good people and it's like you guys would would just like each other so much if you could get <laughs> past these hang-ups you know um and well, and that, so it's, oh sorry
1: uh, no i was going to say that that's that's the thing race race issues are complicated they're yeah. not simplistic right? right yeah so sorry go so uh, th- there's also that whole thing about like oh, people of color got to stick together and things like that. It's like, yes, but you are from very different cultures and Mm -hmm. you're doing these for very different reasons. And there are also things that you want from each other because you're also individual human beings, not just a skin color or a culture. Right. Yeah. Go on.
0: Well, and I think one of the things that makes this such a great story is the fact that it's not just about the love story between mina and demetrius which is very central to the film and and it's you know a great thing to watch but it's also you get to see this experience of her father kind of having to like i mean he's his whole life ever since they've left uganda has just been ruined he's he's depressed he's never gotten over this and it has has really ruined him as a person. And you get to see him go through some, like, healing from that, essentially. Eventually, 20 years after this happened, you know, you get to see him go on a little bit of a journey. He does eventually go back to Uganda um, for this court case. And and seeing, like, learning what happened to people after he left and and learning, you know, Just the but by the fact that they had to leave, that actually kind of saved him and his family. And and it's just like him getting to to find that out, as much as it's it's really sad and 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 heartbreaking history to learn, it's what ultimately helps heal him and helps him to start to accept things as well. And um, and I just I think getting to see that, um, you know, you and I were talking like this is a piece of history that neither of us had known about before this movie um but getting to see the way that's depicted and getting to see jay as this fully fleshed out character um who's been through this trauma himself um i i I think that that's just part of why this is such a great movie it's not just about this love story it's about communities and people having to heal Mm -hmm. from deep deep traumas that they've suffered
1: yeah uh yes I I I think you put that really well I agree with all of that thank you
0: um yeah are there any
1: specific scenes you wanted to talk about There's There's so many of them <laughs> like it's it's a very rich film actually like I I like again you know going back to like I love how embedded within both cultures the film feels and and how those cultures interact within you know the United States and Mississippi and everything um. And it's just, it's very, it's funny. Like I like, there's so many entertain, just like entertaining scenes and funny characters and stuff like that. But all of them feel very realistic. I feel like I've met people exactly like this. <laughs> um, you know, different, but the same basically. Uh, and But that's the thing, they all feel very human. And like you say, I, I think that that helps with our sympathies as well, because we like a lot of these characters. We understand a lot of these characters. Um, we don't necessarily think they're always doing the right thing. We're like, I get why you feel like this. I get why you're doing this. Um, and, and that allows for this depth of, of sympathy and for understanding. And then also to be like, dear God, just let these two people like figure out their lives for themselves, Mm -hmm. like let them be together, let them, you know, and that's, that's essentially, I mean, you know, again, spoiler alert, that's a, that's essentially what happens with them. They're like, we have to figure this out for ourselves. We yeah. have to get out of this space and start and start moving and see what happens, basically. Um, and I, I like the way that the parents and that the older people gradually come to an acceptance of that as well, of being like, Yes, you have to leave, you have to walk away. Don't forget to call your mother. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And and
0: there's just so much, so much beauty in that and also you know comes back again to to hope too that there's hope for healing among these groups of people because because of these two young people in love that met in a car accident <laughs> <Very>. <laughs> I, I love that scene when they meet but um but yeah I, I i think i also really just enjoy how much it celebrates the culture like this is such a beautiful colorful vibrant movie in so many ways and and i just i i think that getting to to really fully appreciate um all the beauty and um and joy that that people experience um throughout it's just ah, i love this movie so much i'm so glad you finally watched it
1: (laughs) I Yeah, I really, really like it's, again, another one that's been on my list for a long time since so it's been like, oh, it's Mira Nair, like, the Denzel Washington, is supposed to be really good, you know, and just for whatever reason, I never, I never turned it on. I, I, I will say, I think it's, you know, it's funny because we're, we talked about the the lesbian movie where one of the major turning points is a sex scene. <laughs> um, major turning point in Mississippi Masala is also a sex scene but it's the reaction and one of the things that i really liked is that the older people are like you know it's this escalating reaction as soon as and then you get the cops called they're just like oh my god no you're grabbing the cops over a black man in a room (laughs) and just like no stop everybody Uh just calm down stop um but you get all that and the older people and everybody else's reactions to it meanwhile you've got the two main characters who are like we didn't do anything wrong we're not we're not children we're not underage this is not you know the 19th century we we did something that is totally normal and acceptable Mm -hmm. um and and i really liked that that there is that kind of pushback that it creates all of this tension and all of this this fracturing of relationships but it it comes down to like why are is everyone so upset about this right um and you understand why based upon like all of the development of the different characters etc but at the same time it's just like yeah it's that's stupid that is a stupid reaction Hmm. yeah it's so good it's very good it's very and, good and yes very pretty people to look at as well they're so pretty <laughs> <laughs> like shockingly pretty like oh that's
0: not fair that isn't yeah. fair And then you start to imagine, like, oh, my gosh, their kids are going to be ridiculously gorgeous, you know? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, those are going to be really
1: pretty kids. Yep.
0: (laughs) Well, the final movie we wanted to talk about today is uh, also about relationships, but very different. And that is Old Joy from 2006, directed by Kelly Reichert and um this film is about two friends two old friends mark mark and kurt who um mark is like about to have well his wife is about to have a baby he's not gonna have the baby um (laughs) he and his wife are about to have a baby and kurt is someone who is just kind of living this this hippie life and um they reconnect, Kurt kind of shows up and says, let's go camping. And so they do. And so it's really about these two friends who have, you know, used to have a lot in common, but their lives have gone in very different directions and they're, they're reconnecting now. So, um, yeah. What were your thoughts about old joy?
1: I mean, I, I think that if you've seen any other Kelly Ryker films, this, this sort of fits very much into her oeuvre. I think this was her second feature film um after river of grass mm-hmm. uh and it's it's very small right i think there's three there's three characters really uh one of whom is is only there very briefly and a dog we have to yes. can't forget lucy lucy is very important yes um i was concerned about lucy a couple of times i was just like put your dog on a fucking leash mm-hmm. <laughs> i was i was was getting upset just like she's gonna wander off and she's done colored and someone's gonna mistake her for a deer (laughs) very
0: aware of these things spoiler Uh, alert lucy is fine
1: lucy's fine everything's fine with lucy it was just my concern for lucy i knew she was gonna be okay (laughs) it was very important element um yeah but i but i liked again you know all three of these films are actually very human they're very believable as like these are people that are in relationships in this case a friendship that share this past with each other but they really are losing each other ultimately that their lives have changed to such a degree that you know they might they will they'll probably always know each other at some level but they won't spend a lot of time together they will drift apart it it will just become you know, there, there's that sense of loss and that, um, and it's understandable, it's understandable for both of them, but it's also sad at the same time. And again, you know, it, it, it's very human and it's very, you know, slow paced, very much about, um, like just the back and forth between the two of them and also their interaction with nature, uh, and how they interact with each other within this context where they are basically alone for the entire film. Uh, and it's it's a really sweet and interesting film that just sort of doesn't meander. I think it's very well structured, but it moves along at a very slow pace and just kind of forces you to sort of sit with these two men and listen to them, and also listen to the silences between them and what those silences mean. Um, so I I really liked it. I think that it is very much in keeping with with Reichardt's films, and and definitely feels uh, very much in in relationship with something like first cow which is also about a male relationship uh and and is about love as well you know it's about this this friendship this love of friendship between these two men um and knowing that it's not going to last basically
0: yeah i am um, one of the things i like about kelly Riker, this is my first time watching this film this week too um one of the things i like about kelly Riker as a director is that she's not afraid of silence she's not afraid of of long periods of time where you're just watching um and and not and characters not speaking to each other and that's what you get throughout old joy and this is another movie that's very short it's only like 75 minutes or something and um and so not a lot happens, but also a lot happens, you know, cause so much happens in those spaces and mm-hmm. those silences where these two men, I think Mark in particular, um, is really understanding how much his life has changed and how much things are about to get very different. Once the baby yeah. comes, you know, and, um, and it's, it's book ended with him in the car, listening to talk radio and, um, and it's very much like of its time. This is set in 2006. You know, you're listening to them talk on the radio about um, the, about inflation, about the economy and um, all these things that are, are very much going to be of concern to, you know, a new father who's trying to take care of a family. And, mm-hmm. um, and so you kind of, you get established in that world with him. And then that's kind of where you leave it off at the end too. And in between he has this experience with this old friend who is still very much living the life that that they you know that Mark used to live. And um and it's it's one where there are times where you start to wonder, like, does he miss it? And I think he kind of wonders that too. He's like, do I miss this life? Am I glad that it's all over? You know, that I've moved past it and and i think by the end you get the sense of like it doesn't really matter (laughs) if he misses that life or not like he's made Mm -hmm. his choices and he's going to to move forward with with those you know
1: yeah that that life isn't available to him anymore right um i mean i guess it could be but he would have to abandon a hell of a lot Mm -hmm. in order to do that and and he he doesn't want to and you don't get the impression that he wants to right um so yeah it's this i think the 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 film's title I think comes from this, that whole discussion of the idea that sorrow was just worn out joy, mm-hmm. um and and yeah and it 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 is and I think that that's part of what it's saying about nostalgia you know that it is it's sad but also it's sad because of this joy that existed and that was there and that is still there because it's not it hasn't vanished just because it's turning into sorrow, um. And you get the sensation with Kurt that Kurt recognizes this too, um, but he's still in, in a lot of ways trying to hang on to it because his life is is working out in a very different way than Marx's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not clear where what direction that is ultimately gonna go and what is ultimately gonna happen to him. But all of those things that kind of they shared are drifting away from from both of them. And that's sad, but it's also wonderful in the sense that there was that joy as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, they they did get to have that and they
0: have and by having this this, you know, camping trip together, they get to kind of feel a little bit of that again. But I think that by the end, you see Mark settling into what's happening and you see Kurt very much is struggling because he hasn't moved on and the life that he has been living kind of in many ways has been leaving him behind too um and so it's it's interesting to see these two men who used to have a lot in common who now have nothing in common who end in very different places and one is kind of neither one is super like optimistic but one seems a little bit like um i don't even know if hopeful is the right word but more like it has a direction (laughs) you know mark is mark is heading in in a direction whether whether he's totally fulfilled or happy by with that you know is kind of irrelevant he's going somewhere and you literally see kurt just kind of wandering the streets lost with nothing to do and nowhere to go and so there's there is like a little bit of you know there's at least some comfort in knowing for mark that he's got a home to go to and a family that's waiting for him whereas kurt doesn't have any of those things
1: yeah i i, I agree with that and I, I i don't know i don't find it a particularly depressing film no that's the um, thing that's
0: weird it's like it's not hopeful but i also don't think it's depressing
1: no it, it is kind of again it's, it goes back to that human aspect of it that this is what humans go through right Mm -hmm. in different ways obviously um and it isn't it isn't saying that like mark's life is better right or that kurt's life is better because mark also expresses a lot of kind of not quite dissatisfaction but like even the interactions that we see between him and his wife they're they're not 100 percent there like you know he's he says at one point to her um like you know, he hangs up the phone to to talk to her about if it's okay for him to go on this camping Mm -hmm. trip. And she's like, I don't like the fact that you're acting like you have to ask me permission. Right. Um, And so there's this tension between them. And and later on, he talks about um, that. They're both just really, you know, they're about to have a baby. They're both really tired because they've been working all the time. Yeah. Uh, And so not, but at the same time, it's like, it's, it's human. This is what human beings deal with. Um, and it might work out and it might not, but there is this moment within this camping trip that is like both of them kind of connecting to each other and connecting to their past and connecting to the world around them, even though at the end of it, they're going to go off in separate directions. And um, and neither one of those directions is 100% positive, but neither one of those directions is 100% negative either. I think that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree good movie
1: very good movie i also didn't realize that will oldham is uh bonnie prince billy the folk singer uh, oh. and i've listened to a hell of a lot of his stuff huh. uh so yeah so i was like i looked him up i was just like who's this guy? I was like oh he's bonnie prince billy wow oh that's cool <laughs> he's, he's a good singer like he's got some great stuff awesome any other thoughts about old joy it, it's again a lovely film. All three of these films are on the Criterion channel right now. So yes. I I really recommend people who have not seen them uh to to go in and watch them and experience them. They're lovely.
0: Yeah, Criterion has a great collection. They always have awesome collections. This month they have a collection of Sundance favorites, I think is what it's called. And it's got these three. There's also um blood simple which we did a bonus episode on a couple months ago uh (laughs) paris is burning um gosh there's so many films in that collection so definitely check some out but if you if if you haven't seen any of these definitely watch them because highly recommend all three um and we actually kind of did a shot in the dark the only one of these films that i had seen was mississippi masala and i don't think you had seen any of them right yeah so exactly. we just kind of took a chance like neither of us had seen desert hearts or old joy and it was like well you know we like these filmmakers let's <laughs> see <laughs> and uh yeah so blind watching sometimes can be really awesome so yeah take a chance with some sundance favorites on the Criterion yes. channel um yeah and speaking of sundance i'm just gonna just quickly take a minute or two to talk about a couple of things that i'm looking forward to seeing and i'm gonna actually do a um, curtain raiser this week on the website that's going to talk a little bit about, um, about, uh, some of the upcoming films that I'm looking forward to. But, um, hey. there, there's, there, it's, it's always interesting with Sundance because there's always a few movies that I'm like, ooh, I'm really looking forward to that. And then other ones where I'm like, I, I don't know. And then what I end up liking ends up not being what I was anticipating at all. So who knows? But, um, yeah, this year there's, you know, I mean, there's always some big movies with, with big stars too. One that I'm looking forward to is called freaky tales, which uh, Pedro Pascal is in it. So that's why I'm looking forward Ooh. to it. Let's be honest. Um, it's directed by Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, who did um, the movie half Nelson with Ryan Gosling years ago. And they also did okay. captain Marvel. Um, and this is sort of a, it's four interconnected stories, I guess. And um it's it's set in, in Oakland in the 80s. And I don't really know much about the story. I just, you know, they had me at Pedro, Pascal, and Ryan Fleck and Anna Bonden. So <laughs> that's what I'm definitely looking forward to. And then um, um, let's see. There's also Hitman, which uh stars Glenn Powell, who You might recognize from Top Gun Maverick and some other stuff. He's he's been really um making waves in the last couple of years. This one is is Richard Link Linkletter's um film. It's like a a noir about a um a college professor who uh is a fake hitman. Basically, he he like tries to um what's the word? Um, like basically like an undercover type of thing and um okay (laughs) anyway he discovers that he's got um some hidden talents so uh that sounds fun um and then let's see there's um there's a couple of of um documentaries that sound really interesting there was one that apple had a couple years ago called boys state where it's these these boys from all over texas that basically create a government And um, this, so there's a new film called Girl State, which is basically the same thing. And it's like a week long program um, where just girls from all over Missouri um, get the opportunity to kind of create a government. And um, this is a, this is a, um, an actual like program that's an established program that, uh, it's just really good about teaching kids how you know how democracy really works and and how complicated it can be. So I'm excited to see uh, the the boys' version was was a little bit frightening. <laughs> so I'm excited <laughs> to see how girls do it differently. Um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also um, and there's also some other. There's a, a documentary coming about Devo. So that sounds fun. There's one about. Um, oh, there's also another one about reality winner. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And oh, actually, sorry, that one's not a um, documentary. This one is a film um, directed, written and directed by Susanna Fogel, who. Oh, yeah. um, Susanna Fogel, who did. um, Why is the name escaping
1: me? oh oh uh, uh, uh the spike who jumped yes. me there yes, you go that
0: one. <laughs> anyway i'm sure this will be a much different movie uh but uh still sounds really interesting and the star um reality is played by amelia jones who was in coda so
1: oh, cool
0: yeah um so that's that's a couple of there's i think i have like 25 movies that i'm <laughs> hoping to see and i'll be there for you know a little over a week it's gonna be Oh, it's going to be a lot, but um but yeah, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So I have um there's some that I'm seeing in person, but then they also have starting on the 24th, they have an online um like online festival basically. And mm-hmm. that one I've got lots of movies bookmarked for <laughs> for that one. Oh, there's oh, wow. this is this is the documentary I was trying to think of. It's called Daughters and it's um it's these these four separate stories it's these girls that are preparing for a daddy-daughter dance with their incarcerated fathers and it's part oh, of this wow. yeah and it's part of this like pilot program that they were doing in the dc um jail system and so that's one that i'm really i i've it's already got some good buzz and i'm really good. interested in that one so uh, yeah, that's that's probably one that I'm most looking forward to as far as documentaries go. So yeah, so that's a little bit of what I'm planning to see at Sundance. And like I said, I will have a curtain raiser this week. Um, I leave on Thursday. So my plan is to have that out by Wednesday. Um, just with it. A- all the big highlights to look forward to and of course there's always going to be things that are not on my radar that end up being like the talk of the festival so
1: (laughs) we'll see what one that is this year (laughs) of course so often it's the ones that you don't expect just like oh wow okay yeah yeah and then something gets bought for
0: 15 million dollars and you're like really people paid 15 million for that (laughs) (laughs) i mean fair play was good last year but i wouldn't have thought that that'd be the highest seller (laughs) so Anyway, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm excited to be going back. I have a new coat that is arriving from Amazon today. <laughs>
1: so. Well, sounds sounds good. God, God bless you for driving and being a California girl driving in the snow. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's have fun uh, with that. That's my
0: freaky tale. Is me driving in the snow. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up for this weekend. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us and for for participating and being here with us. We especially want to thank our patrons who help keep the show going. And they are Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Carriotta, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. If you would like to join and become a patron yourself, you can go to patreon.com slash Citizen Dame. And we do have bonus episodes. You get early access to episodes. We send you stickers and stuff. Um, And uh, yeah. And you also just get the knowledge of helping continue to keep feminist film discussion in the world, which we all know we need more of that. Um, Yeah, we do. Uh, some other ways that you can support us. We do have our co-fi, co-fi.com slash citizen dame. And we moved over from Zazzle. We no longer have our Zazzle store. We now have Etsy. We're on Etsy, etsy.com slash shop slash citizen dame pod. And, uh, I know last week I said, oh yeah, there's totally things in the store because there are, but I discovered like a glitch that was making them not work. So, uh, by the time you're listening to this, you can go shop in our store and see fun stuff.
1: Hey, um, and, and we will you, also link. We will also link all of this. I'm going to remember to link all of the things that need to be linked. Yes, I apologize. We will,
0: we will definitely do that. And if you ever have some things, you're like, you know what, you need in your store, just like let us know some ideas because we're always open to that too. Yes, um we do have our website, which is uh this year we promise a lot more written uh, com content, a lot more um, essays. Critiques, lists, all kinds of, of things coming your way uh this year on our website, which is citizendamepod.com. You can also contact us by email, citizendamepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on the social medias. Technically, we're on Twitter, um, but we don't really use it much. We also are on Instagram and Blue Sky. If you search citizen dame pod on any of those, you will find us. And we are a letterbox HQ. We love letterbox. I think that's kind of i don't know that's my favorite these days but yeah um we're on letterboxd at
1: citizen dame you can also find us individually lauren where are you i am on the various socials not really on twitter anymore i i logged on yesterday to post one thing and then i (laughs) ran as fast as i possibly could because it is a horrible fucking place (laughs) um but i'm on the socials at lh business and I'm
0: on the socials at Karen M. Peterson, particularly Instagram and Letterboxd. But it's funny mm-hmm. because I always kind of have a similar feeling with you with Twitter, but it's like, I'll go on there and I'll see some posts from friends. I'll be like, oh, you know, I kind of miss Twitter. And then something will cross my timeline. I'm like, <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> no,
1: you just scroll for like a minute and you're like, nope, nope. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. Not going to do it. Oh,
0: oh man. I don't know what happened. Oh, well, I do know what happened. But Oh, it's it's so sad. But Instagram and letterboxd are fun.
1: <laughs> it was never great, really, Karen. Let's just face it. Twitter. No, but was it never used to great. be more fun. <laughs> it did, yeah. But still, like, I don't know. My 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 brain power has been freed as a result of leaving Twitter. Jesus. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's so true. So anyway, well, that's where uh, that's where we are, and where we're at, and where you can find us and communicate with us, and we. Uh, we thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye. I guess I should probably have mentioned that we're going to be off next week, but
1: that's <laughs> probably clear. <laughs> Just leave that at the end. Okay. When all you've done is bring such shame on our heads, I didn't do anything. They barged in. Don't answer back. Have the... Decency, at least to be sorry.
0: I am sorry about this mess. But I'm not sorry I'm in love with him. Who is he? What do you know about him?
1: What about his family? This is America, Ma. No one cares.